Cause you're a white boy in Brooklyn. Tupac Amaru Shakur was born on June 16, 1971, in the East Harlem section of Manhattan, New York City. While born Laysane Parish Crooks, he was renamed, at age one, after Tupac Amaru II, the descendant of the last Incan ruler, Tupac Amaru, who was executed in Peru in 1781 after his failed revolt against Spanish rule. Tupac had an older stepbrother, Moprim Komani, Shakur, and a half-sister, Sakiwa, two years his junior. His parents, Afeni Shakur, born Alice Faye Williams in North Carolina, and his birth father, Billy Garland, had been active Black Panther Party members in New York in the late 1960s and early 1970s. A month before Tupac's birth, his mother Afeni was tried in New York City as part of the Panther 21 criminal trial. She was acquitted of over 150 charges. Other family members who were involved in the Black Panther's Black Liberation Army were convicted of serious crimes and imprisoned, including Tupac's stepfather, Matula Shakur, who spent four years among the FBI's ten most wanted fugitives. Matula Shakur was apprehended in 1986 and subsequently convicted for a 1981 robbery of a Brinks armored truck, during which police officers and a guard were killed. Tupac's godfather, Elmer Geronimo Pratt, a high-ranking Black Panther, was convicted of murdering a schoolteacher during a 1968 robbery. His sentence was overturned when it was revealed that the prosecution had hidden evidence that he was in a meeting 400 miles away at the time of the murders. In 1984, Tupac's family moved from New York City to Baltimore, Maryland. He attended 8th grade at Roland Park Middle School, then two years at Paul Lawrence Dunbar High School. On transfer to the Baltimore School for the Arts, he studied acting, poetry, jazz, and ballet. He performed in Shakespeare's plays, depicting timeless themes, now seen in gang warfare, he would recall, and as the Mouse King role in the Nutcracker Ballet. With his friend Dana Mouse Smith as beatbox, he won competitions as reputedly the school's best rapper. Also known for his humor, he could mix with all crowds. As a teen, he listened to musicians including Kate Bush, Culture Club, Sinead O'Connor, and U2. At Baltimore's Arts High School, Tupac befriended Jada Pinkett, who would become a subject of some of his poems. After his death, she would call him, one of my best friends. He was like a brother. It was beyond friendship for us. The type of relationship we had, you only get that once in a lifetime. Upon connecting with the Baltimore Young Communist League USA, Tupac dated the daughter of the director of the local chapter of the Communist Party USA. In 1988, Shakur moved to Marin City, California, a small, impoverished community, about five miles north of San Francisco. In nearby Mill Valley, he attended Tamil Pius High School, where he performed in several theater productions. In Tupac's adulthood he continued befriending individuals of diverse backgrounds. His friends would range from Mike Tyson and Chuck D to Jim Carrey and Alanis Morissette, who in April 1996 said that she and Tupac were planning to open a restaurant together. Tupac briefly dated Madonna in 1994. In April 1995, early in his prison sentence, Tupac married his then-girlfriend Keisha Morris. The marriage officially ended in March 1996. In the four months before his death, 
Tupac lived with his girlfriend Kadada Jones, daughter of the record producer Quincy Jones and the actress Peggy Lipton. In 1994, Tupac had spoken against interracial marriage, but retracted these comments, Kadada herself having been born through an interracial marriage. She was beside him at his death. In January 1991, Tupac, rapper, nationally debuted under the stage name Tupac, guest on rap group Digital Underground single, same song, compiled on the soundtrack of the February 1991 movie Nothing But Trouble. Tupac's first two solo albums, November 1991's Tupacalypse Now and February 1993's Strictly For My N.I.G.G.A.Z preceded September 1994's eponymous and only album of his side group Thug Life, himself in it. Rapper, producer Stretch guests on the above, three Tupac projects. Tupac's third solo album, March 1995's Me Against the World, features rap clique Dramacidal, reshaping as outlaws on Tupac's fourth solo. The fourth Tupac solo album, and last in his lifetime, February 1996's All Eyes on Me, features also, of among its numerous guests, Thug Life member Big Psych. Yet another solo album was already finished. November 1996's The Don Caluminati, The Seven Day Theory, under the stage name Machiavelli, is a studio album made in one August week, whereas later posthumous albums are archival productions. Later posthumous albums are Are You Still Down? Greatest Hits, Still I Rise, Until the End of Time, Better Days, Loyal to the Game, Pax Life. Tupac, using the stage name MC New York, began recording in 1989. That year, he began attending the poetry classes of Layla Steinberg. Soon, she became the budding music artist's manager. Steinberg organized with Tupac's rap group Strictly Dope a concert. She managed to get Tupac signed by Atron Gregory, manager of the rap group Digital Underground. In 1990, Gregory placed Tupac with the Underground as a roadie and backup dancer. Under the stage name Tupac, he debuted on the group's January 1991 single, Same Song, leading the group's January 1991 EP titled This as an EP release, while Tupac appeared in the music video. It also went on the soundtrack of the February 1991 movie Nothing But Trouble, starring Dan Aykroyd, John Candy, Chevy Chase, and Demi Moore. Tupac's debut album, Tupacalypse Now, alluding to the 1979 film Apocalypse Now, arriving in November 1991, would bear three singles. Some prominent rappers, like Nas, Eminem, Game, and Talib Kweli, cited as an inspiration. Aside from, If My Homie Calls, the singles Trapped, and, Brenda's Got a Baby, poetically depict individual struggles under socioeconomic disadvantage. But once a Texas defense attorney, with a young client who had shot a state trooper, rationalized the defendant had been listening to the album, which touches upon police brutality, controversy ensued. U.S. Vice President Dan Quayle partially reacted, there's no reason for a record like this to be released. It has no place in our society. Tupac, finding himself misunderstood, explained, in part, I just wanted to rap about things that affected young black males. When I said that, I didn't know that I was gonna tie myself down to just take all the blunts and hits for all the young black males, to be the media's kicking post for young black males. In any case, Tupacalypse now was certified gold, half a million copies sold. Altogether, the album seats well with the socially conscious rap, 
addressing urban black concerns, still prevalent in rap at the time. Tupac's second album, Strictly For My N.I.G.G.A.Z., arrived in February 1993. A critical and commercial advance, it debuted at number 24 on the Pop Albums chart, the Billboard 200. An overall more hardcore album, it emphasizes Tupac's socio-political views, and has a metallic production quality. It features Ice Cube, the famed primary creator of N.W.A.'s Fuck the Police, who, in his own solo albums, had newly gone militantly political, along with LA's original gangster rapper, Ice-T, who in June 1992 had sparked controversy with his band Body Count's track, Cop Killer. In fact, in its vinyl release, Side A, tracks 1-8, is labeled the Black Side, while Side B, tracks 9-16, is the Dark Side. Nonetheless, the album carries the single, I Get Around, a party anthem featuring digital underground Shock G and Money B, which would render Tupac's popular breakthrough, reaching number 11 on the pop singles chart, the Billboard Hot 100. And it carries the optimistic compassion of another hit, Keep Ya Head Up, an anthem for women empowerment. This album would be certified platinum, with a million copies sold, as of 2004, among Tupac albums, including of posthumous and compilation albums, the Strictly album would be 10th in sales, about 1,366,000 copies. In late 1993, Shakur formed the group Thug Life with Tyrus, Big Psych, Himes, Dyer, Makadoshis, Rivers, his stepbrother Moprim Shakur, and Walter, Rated R, Burns. Thug Life released its only album, Thug Life, Volume 1, on October 11, 1994, which is certified gold. It carries the single, Pour Out a Little Liquor, produced by Johnny, J. Jackson, who would also produce much of Shakur's album All Eyes on Me. Usually, Thug Life performed live without Tupac. The track also appears on the 1994 film Above the Rim soundtrack. But due to gangsta rap being under heavy criticism at the time, the album's original version was scrapped, and the album redone with mostly new tracks. Still, along with Stretch, Tupac would perform the first planned single, Out on Bail, which was never released, at the 1994 Source Awards. Tupac's third album, arriving in March 1995 as Me Against the World, is now hailed as his magnum opus, and commonly ranks among the greatest, most influential rap albums. The album sold 240,000 copies in its first week, setting a then-record for highest first-week sales for a solo male rapper. The lead single, Dear Mama, arrived in February with the B-side, Old School. The album's most successful single, it topping the Hot Rap Singles chart, and peaked at number 9 on the Pop Singles chart, the Billboard Hot 100. In July, it was certified platinum. It ranked number 51 on the year-end charts. The second single, So Many Tears, released in June, reached number 6 on the Hot Rap Singles chart and number 44 on Hot 100. August brought the final single, Temptations, reaching number 68 on the Hot 100, number 35 on the Hot R&B, Hip Hop Singles and Tracks, and number 13 on the Hot Rap Singles. At the 1996 Soul Train Music Awards, Tupac won for Best Rap Album. In 2001, it ranked fourth among his total albums in sales, with about 3,524,567 copies sold in the U.S. While imprisoned February to October 1995, Tupac wrote only one song, he would say, 
Rather, he took to political theorist Niccolò Machiavelli's treatise The Prince and military strategist Sun Tzu's treatise The Art of War. And on Tupac's behalf, his wife Keisha Morris communicated to Suge Knight of Death Row Records that Tupac, in dire straits financially, needed help, his mother about to lose her house. In August, after sending $15,000 for her, Suge began visiting Tupac in prison. In one of his letters to Nina Badreshwar, recently hired to edit a planned magazine, Death Row Uncut, Tupac discusses plans to start a new chapter. Eventually, music journalist Kevin Powell would say that Shakur, once released, more aggressive, seemed like a completely transformed person. Tupac's fourth album, All Eyes On Me, arrived on February 13, 1996. Of two discs, it basically was rap's first double album, meeting two of the three albums due in Tupac's contract with Death Row, and bore five singles while perhaps marking the peak of 1990s rap. With standout production, the album has more party tracks and often a triumphant tone. As Tupac's second album to hit number one on both the top R&B, hip-hop albums chart and the pop albums chart, the Billboard 200, it sold 566,000 copies in its first week and was it was certified five times multi-platinum in April. How Do You Want It, as well as California Love, reached number one on the Billboard Hot 100. At the 1997 Soul Train Awards, it won an R&B, Soul or Rap Album of the Year. At the 24th American Music Awards, Tupac won Favorite Rap, Hip Hop Artist. The album was certified nine times multi-platinum in June 1998, and ten times in July 2014. Tupac's fifth and final studio album, The Don Caluminati, The Seven Day Theory, commonly called simply The Seven Day Theory, was released under a newer stage name, Machiavelli. The album had been created in seven days total during August 1996. The lyrics were written and recorded in three days, and mixing took another four days. In 2005, MTV.com ranked The Seven Day Theory at number 9 among hip-hop's greatest albums ever, and by 2006 a classic album. Its singular poignance, through hurt and rage, contemplation and vendetta, resonate with many fans. But according to George Papa G. Price, Death Row Records' then-director of public relations, the album was meant to be underground, and was not really to come out, but, after Tupac was murdered, it did come out. It peaked at number one on Billboard's top R&B, hip-hop albums chart and on the Billboard 200, with the second highest debut week sales total of any album that year. On June 15, 1999, it was certified four times multi-platinum. Tupac's first film appearance was in 1991 in Nothing But Trouble, a cameo by the digital underground. In 1992, he starred in Juice, where he plays the fictional Roland Bishop, a militant and haunting individual. Rolling Stone's Peter Travers calls him, the film's most magnetic figure. Then, in 1993, Tupac starred alongside Janet Jackson in John Singleton's romance film, Poetic Justice. Tupac then played another gangster, the fictional Bertie, in Above the Rim. Soon after Tupac's death, three more films starring him were released, Bullet, Gridlock, and Gang Related. Director Alan Hughes had cast Tupac as Sharif in the 1993 film Menace to Society, but replaced him once Tupac assaulted him on set due to a discrepancy with the script. 
Nonetheless, in 2013, Hughes appraises that Tupac would have outshone the other actors, because he was bigger than the movie. For the lead role in the eventual 2001 film Baby Boy, a role played by Tyrese Gibson, director John Singleton originally had Tupac in mind. Ultimately, the set design includes in the protagonist's bedroom a Tupac mural, and the film's score includes the Tupac song, Hail Mary. In 1991, Tupac debuted on a new record label, Interscope Records, that knew little about rap music. Until that year, Ruthless Records, formed during 1986 in Los Angeles County's Compton City, had prioritized rap, and its group NWA had led gangsta rap to platinum sales, but NWA's lyrics, outrageously violent and misogynist, precluded mainstream breakthrough. On the other hand, also specializing in rap, Profile Records, in New York City, had a mainstream, pop breakthrough, run DMC's, Walk This Way, in 1986. In April 1991, NWA disbanded via Dr. Dre's departure to, with Suge Knight, launch Death Row Records, in Los Angeles City. With its very first two albums, Death Row became the first record label both to prioritize rap and to regularly release mainstream, pop hits with it. Released by Death Row in late 1992, Dre's The Chronic, it's, nothing but a, G, thang, ubiquitous on pop radio and, Let Me Ride, winning a Grammy, was trailed in late 1993 by Snoop's Doggy Style. Gangsta rap, no less, these albums and more propelled the West Coast, for the first time, ahead of New York to rap center stage. But meanwhile, in 1993, Andre Harrell of Uptown Records, in New York, fired his star A&R man, Sean, Puff Daddy, Combs, later, P. Diddy. Puffy, while leaving behind his standout projects Jodeci and Mary J. Blige, two R&B acts, took to his own, new record label, Bad Boy Records, the promising gangster rapper Biggie Smalls, soon also known as the Notorious B.I.G. His debut album, released in late 1994 as Ready to Die, promptly returned rap spotlight to New York. On November 30, 1994, while in New York, Tupac was recording verses for a mixtape of Ron G. Tupac was repeatedly distracted by his beeper. It was music manager James, Jimmy Henchman, Roseman, reportedly offering $7,000 for Tupac to stop by Quad Studios, in Times Square, that night to record a verse for his client Little Sean. Tupac was leery, but needing cash to offset steepening legal costs, took the gig. Tupac arrived with Stretch and one or two others. In the lobby, three men robbed and beat him at gunpoint. Tupac resisted and was shot. Shakur speculated that the shooting had been a setup. Three hours after surgery, against doctor's advice, Shakur checked out of Bellevue Hospital Center. The next day, in a Manhattan courtroom bandaged in a wheelchair, he received the jury's verdict in his ongoing criminal trial for a November 1993 sexual assault in his hotel room. Convicted of three counts of sexual assault, he was acquitted of six other charges, including sodomy and gun charges. In a 1995 interview with Vibe magazine, Shakur accused Sean Combs, Jimmy Henchman, and Biggie, among others, of setting up or being privy to the November 1994 robbery and shooting. Vibe alerted the names of the accused. In March 2008, Chuck Phillips, in the Los Angeles Times, reported on the 1994 ambush and shooting. The newspaper later retracted the article since it relied partially on FBI documents later discovered forged, 
supplied by a man convicted of fraud. In June 2011, convicted murderer Dexter Isaac, incarcerated in Brooklyn, issued a confession that he had been one of the gunmen who had robbed and shot Shakur at henchman's order. Phillips then named Isaac as one of his own, retracted articles unnamed sources. During 1995, imprisoned, impoverished, and his mother about to lose her house, Tupac had his wife Keisha Morris get word to Marion, Suge, Knight, in Los Angeles, boss of Death Row Records. Reportedly, Tupac's mother promptly received $15,000. After an August visit to Clinton Correctional Facility in northern New York State, Suge traveled southward to New York City to join Death Row's entourage to the second annual Source Award ceremony. Already reputed for strongarm tactics on the Los Angeles rap scene, Suge used his brief stage time mainly to belittle Sean Puff Daddy, Combs, boss of Bad Boy Entertainment, the label then leading New York rap scene, who routinely performed with his own artists. Before closing with a brief comment of support for Tupac, Suge invited artists seeking the spotlight for themselves to join Death Row. Eventually, Puff recalled that to preempt severe retaliation from his bad boy orbit, he had promptly confronted Suge, whose reply, that he had meant Jermaine Dupree, of So So Def Recordings, in Atlanta, was politic enough to de-escalate the conflict. Still, among the fans, the previously diffuse rivalry between America's two mainstream rap scenes had instantly flared already. And while in New York, Suge visited Uptown Records, where Puff, under its founder Andre Harrell, had started in the music business through an internship. Apparently without paying Uptown, Suge obtained the releases of Puff's prime Uptown recruits Jodeci, its producer Devante Swing, and Mary J. Blige, all then signing with Suge's management company. On September 24, 1995, at a party for Dupree in Atlanta at the Platinum House nightclub, a bad boy circle entered a heated dispute with Suge and Suge's friend Jay Hassan Jamal, Big Jake, Robles, a Bloods gang member and death row bodyguard. According to eyewitnesses, including a Fulton County Sheriff, working there as a nightclub bouncer, Puff had heatedly disputed with Suge inside the club, whereas several minutes later, outside the club, it was Puff's childhood friend and own bodyguard, Anthony, Wolf, Jones, who had aimed a gun at Big Jake, fatally shot while entering Suge's car. The attorneys of Puff and his bodyguard both denied any involvement by their clients, while Puff's added that Puff had not even been with his bodyguard that night. Over 20 years later, the case remains officially unresolved. Yet immediately and persistently, Suge blamed Puff, cementing the enmity between the two bosses, whose two record labels dominated the rap genre's two mainstream centers. In the late 1990s, Southern rap's growth into the mainstream would dispel the East-West paradigm. But in the meantime, in October 1995, violating his probation, Suge visited Tupac in prison again. Suge posted $1.4 million bond, and with appeal of his December 1994 conviction pending, Shakur returned to Los Angeles and joined Death Row. On June 4, 1996, it released the two-pack B-side, Hit Him Up. In this venomous tirade, the proclaimed, bad boy killer, threatens violent payback on all things bad boy, Biggie, Puffy, Junior MAFIA, the company, and on any in New York's rap scene, like rap duo Mob Deep and obscure rapper Chino XL, who allegedly had commented against Shakur about the dispute. On the night of September 7, 1996, Shakur was in Las Vegas, Nevada, 
to celebrate his business partner Tracy Danielle Robinson's birthday and attended the Bruce Selden vs. Mike Tyson boxing match with Suge Knight at the MGM Grand. Afterward in the lobby, someone in their group spotted Orlando, Baby Lane, Anderson, an alleged Southside Compton Crip, whom the individual accused of having recently in a shopping mall tried to snatch his neck chain with a Death Row Records medallion. The hotel's surveillance footage shows the ensuing assault on Anderson. Shakur soon stopped by his hotel room and then headed with Knight to his Death Row nightclub, Club 662, in a black BMW 750L sedan, part of a larger convoy. At about 11 p.m. on Las Vegas Boulevard, bicycle-mounted police stopped the car for its loud music and lack of license plates. The plates were found in the trunk and the car was released without a ticket. At about 11.15 p.m. at a stop light, a white, four-door, late-model Cadillac sedan pulled up to the passenger side and an occupant rapidly fired into the car. Shakur was struck four times, once in the arm, once in the thigh, and twice in the chest with one bullet entering his right lung. Shards hit Knight's head. Frank Alexander, Shakur's bodyguard, was not in the car at the time. He would say he had been tasked to drive the car of Shakur's girlfriend, Kadata Jones. Shakur was taken to the University Medical Center of Southern Nevada where he was heavily sedated and put on life support. In the intensive care unit on the afternoon of September 13, 1996, Shakur died from internal bleeding. He was pronounced dead at 4.03 p.m. The official causes of death are respiratory failure and cardiopulmonary arrest associated with multiple gunshot wounds. Shakur's body was cremated the next day. Members of the Outlaws, recalling a line in his song, Black Jesus, although uncertain of the artist's attempt at a literal meaning chose to interpret the request seriously, smoked some of his body's ashes after mixing them with marijuana. In 2011, via the Freedom of Information Act, the FBI documents reveal its investigation of the Jewish Defense League for making death threats against Shakur and other rappers. In 2002, investigative journalist Chuck Phillips, after a year of work, reported in the Los Angeles Times that Anderson, a Southside Compton Crip, having been attacked by Suge and Shakur's entourage at the MGM Hotel after the boxing match, had fired the fatal gunshots but that Las Vegas police had interviewed him only once, briefly, before his death in an unrelated shooting. Phillips's 2002 article also alleges the involvement of Christopher, notorious B.I.G. Wallace and several within New York City's criminal underworld. Both Anderson and Wallace denied involvement, while Wallace offered a confirmed alibi. Music journalist John Leland, in the New York Times, called the evidence, inconclusive.